in the morning when you want the news you need the front page every hour on the press box nothing's writing on this except the uh, first amendment of the constitution freedom of the press and maybe the future of the country not that any of that matters and now the news Marcus Mariota returned to practice for the Raiders yesterday. He just went, where's Gruden? <laughs> he could play this Who's going to let me run? So he could play this week. Um, should they use him in short yardage? They used him for one play this year. Got hurt on that one play. I mean, good and bad. I guess bad, you know what's coming, but good, your starting quarterback won't get sh- hit in the head with the shoulder and yeah. uh, have to go out and, and the neck and every go in the blue tent and everyone worry about him. Not ideal when that happens. No. Huh? Um, <laughs> I mean, if Peterman taught us anything, use him for short yardage. <laughs> the Raiders have struggled in short yardage, but that's largely due to the struggles of the offensive line. When they, they there was the, Did you see the video that got tweeted out a bunch of Alex Leatherwood and Andre James blocking each other? No, I, my binoculars weren't working on that play. So uh, there was a play. I think it, it was it was straight, it was either second or third and like two. They handed off to Josh Jacobs and Andre James and Alex Leatherwood just, collided. Uh, so they both tried to go to the second level. Nobody blocked the nose, the defensive tackle right. right in front of them. They both tried to go to the second level and then turned into each other and were face to face with each other while Josh Jacobs is getting hit for like a four-yard loss. But you know what I heard yesterday or the other day that Andre James is playing great and now Southerwood's improving. So. <laughs> I heard that. I don't know why I heard that. But. So as a result, the Raiders can't really run in like third and two or fourth and one. So they should probably sneak it or have Marcus Mariota run for his life. Run the there. option and yeah. run for his life. I mean, at least if you run the zone read... The defensive tackle that's suddenly rushing free to yes, the backfield. Yes, yes, He's got to choose one. Yeah, yes, exactly. He's got to. <laughs> he's got to either dive in or just or not come. So, Mariota, we'll see if they use him. I don't know if we. I mean, we don't Wouldn't know. Wouldn't you? I would. Uh, but you know who? I, who likes him more? Did Gruden like him more? Or did Olsen like him more? Because no clue what Olsen, Olsen might so. love him. Olsen yeah. might be like, yeah. absolutely, red zone, yeah. get him in there. Or Olsen might be like, why the hell would I take Derek Carr out? Uh, prediction? Can I make a prediction? On Mariota? Yeah. No. Oh. On Olsen. Oh, okay. Uh, at one point against the Broncos, when they don't have to, it's not like they're chasing a score, he'll have a drive where he throws six straight times. I like it. They I should. Think, I think he's going to do that. I they think should. he's opening it up. They should probably throw at how many snaps do you think they'll have in this game? About 60, 60 70? 60. They should throw it 70 times in a row. They... Nonsense. I think Olsen will pass to establish the run instead of establishing the run. Don't even establish the run. Just forget about it for the rest of the season. I just think he's going mean, to throw a lot more. When you're up by two touchdowns and it's the third quarter. Throw it. Maybe run it a no, little. throw it. Third quarter? No, keep throwing it. Keep chucking it down the field. I have a I have a notion. He's throwing a lot more this he week. He should. Great question. Thank you. Lights FC beat the oh. Tacoma Defiance one nothing last night. That is Lights' first win since July 27th. They were on a 15 match winless streak, or excuse me, 13 match winless streak. Over those last 13 games, they had only drawn twice, so they snapped their losing streak. I also believe that makes this the most points they have ever earned on the road in any Lights FC season. Uh, so yeah, they got a win last night. Yeah, I 
called up the box score to see. <laughs> box uh, score came in my email. Clicked on it. I said, oh, they won. Uh, they do play on Saturday, by the way, and there will be a cornhole competition at the game on Saturday. Will you participate? Uh, I'm not good at cornhole. But you're going to the game. Uh, maybe. Wow, you've, on, come off, you've come off home games. Well, it depends on what time the Astros-Red Sox game is. Oh, that's right. Okay. So When's that start? Tomorrow? So it's Friday, Friday Saturday. Yeah, Astros play Friday, Saturday. The lights oh, game right. is at 2. So I'm thinking oh, it might be... Well, the baseball's got to be in prime time because they're going to go opposite days. Who? Well, the NLCS would start on no, Saturday. No, they'll both play Saturday. The NLCS and ALCS oh, will both NLCS be Saturday. NLCS starts. Okay, so Saturday. if okay. the ALCS is the day game and the NLCS is the night game, won't. probably not going. But if ALCS gets a, you know, 5 o'clock start time here, then I'll probably go to the lights game. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> You're pausing we'll on that. There. But I'm not going to play Cornhole you because I'm. it's an $80 entry free and I'm not Whoa. any good at it. $80? What's the winner get? Uh, 50% of the entry free uh, entry fees. So 80 bucks. Yeah. But you, oh, there'll I be mean, people if, lined up who play Cornhole for that. They'll yeah. go to the game just for that. But if you win, you get 50% of the it, prize. Second and third, get the other, split the other 50%. Wow. So, but if I was good at it, I'd absolutely be in. Yeah. It. But I, I suck at cornhole. Eighty bucks. It's two. It's forty dollars a person. You got a team of two. Lashbrook, come on. He's not even. He's not keeping any of it. Yeah. He's giving it all back to all the people right. that finished first. Second, I give him credit. Yeah. I give him credit. So he's not keeping. It. He just wants. He's people doing. To come. Yeah. He's doing. Uh, he's doing it fantasy style. Uh, this comes up every single time cornhole gets mentioned. Is that? Did that? just suddenly switch meanings or am i just from a part of the south that that means a completely different thing i'm afraid of what it means i don't know what it means okay. there but i know what it means here and it's a game <laughs> where you're tossing bags into the hole. by the way you want to make some money be the be the person who wins the 50-50 raider games Whoa. oh last, the raffles last week it was 140 grand really you split that oh that's... I know there have been Golden Knights games that get up close to $100,000. Yeah. Not bad when you just kind of yeah. go to a game one night and all of a sudden you're walking back with that. Yeah, $60,000. But have you, okay, have you ever bought the raffles or seen other people buy them at games? I, I've bought them. Yeah, people buy like 50 at a time. Right. I don't Ridiculous. buy 50, but I, I, I've bought them. I bought as many as 20 because it didn't cost 20. You got a right. deal. Yeah. I was at a Seattle Mariners game where the 50 50 raffle was like two grand. <laughs> That's a lot. <laughs> hey. You didn't get. You went home with a thousand more than you thought you were going to. <laughs> Next question. Just means you got a really high chance of winning because you were one of five <laughs> people that entered it. Uh, Kansas City's loss to Buffalo snapped a streak of fifty-three games for Kansas City without losing by two scores. Patrick Mahomes' streak was the longest for a quarterback in NFL history. He had been gone fifty-three games without losing by two scores. The longest before that was a stretch by Tom Brady from 2010 to 2012 of 45. So that is not a winning streak. That is a winning plus losing by one score streak, which can kind of be pointless. But I think it highlights, we know how good Patrick Mahomes is, but just the fact that you're always in the game with Patrick right, Mahomes. Right. That he, until this past weekend, every single game yeah. that he played in. He won or was in Had a chance distance. to win. Yeah. And that is unbelievable. It's an amazing stat. Because, can't listen, Kansas City's defense has been terrible this year. It hasn't been good in the past, though. It's been better than this, but it hasn't. they haven't had a good defense in the past. They've had average, slightly below average defenses most of these years. And Mahomes has still pretty much never been blown out or even just lost by like 10 points in any of these games, which is remarkable. Because in any, any game that they lost, basically, 
if they somehow got a turnover in the last two minutes to give Mahomes the ball back or something, they'd have a chance to win it every time. And not very many people do that. Not a shock. Mahomes, Brady, Rogers, Wilson. So the yeah. best quarterbacks are the ones who keep you in or they win. There's yeah, those, no, those are the four no with the longest stretches. No yeah. Fitzpatrick in there. No Fitzpatrick. Where's Jameis Winston? Or Yes. Wow. Sorry. Um, I got you. Thank you. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Joe Burrow is on voice rest. He had a throat contusion from a hit in their game against Jesus. the Packers on Sunday which again still sounds terrible. He did not talk to the media, and this was the reason I mean, why, because they told him, hey, don't talk. Uh, can he, like, call audibles? Call plays well, in the huddle? Is that, like... Don't... When I first saw this, because I didn't know he had the uh, contusion, I thought, did he, like, get horse calling audibles? Like, I did he get horse because he was screaming so much during the game? I didn't know he got hit didn't in the Didn't they have throat. a home game? Yeah, it was a home game. <laughs> I did know he got crushed because we are at the Raider game. I didn't know it was his throat because I came up to where Adam Hill and, and Sam Gordon were sitting, and they both looked at me and they said, we think Burrow just got killed. Oh, yeah. It I was, mean, it was like it was somewhat of a, Like, it was somewhat surprising that he came back in. That's what they said when he injured. came back yeah. in. They're like, wait a minute, he's back in the game? Yeah, and then it turns out it was his throat, and he shouldn't be talking anymore. But that... I mean, here's the thing. It could be worse than a throat contusion, obviously. Like when you get hit like that. Yes, could have yes. been significantly worse. But it still just sounds the throat the throat contusion part of it sounds terrible. Like that just sounds so that, uncomfortable. I mean, you got the helmet on. I know you can get up and helmet. That that that's you probably could hit a guy like he got hit a thousand times and it wouldn't be a throat contusion. Well, how many times have we heard a guy have a throat? I don't contusion? even know what that means. Yeah, we've no, I, I don't. We got two this week. Who, this who else got else? Oh, the guy from the, all right, I'm looking it up, but I, I literally I saw the Joe Burrow one and then I saw on my timeline, this guy is also out with a throat contusion. I was like, what is happening? And how did Mike Glennon never get one of these? Got a strong neck. Um that's so like the the idea of your throat being injured, the reason it sounds so terrible is because it probably hurts every time you talk. It probably sure. hurts every time you eat or drink swallow. Something. And hell, it might even hurt when you just breathe sometimes. Yeah. Like, sounds horrific. Um, a Browns like? linebacker, who I'm not, I'm not. Oh, a give it a shot. Uh, give it a shot. Owusu Koromoa, nailed it. I don't believe him. First name Jeremiah. Oh, uh, you know I can't tell you that. Doc Rivers assumes Ben Simmons will play. This is the quote Doc Rivers gave. I'm assuming he's going to play, but who knows? I can't get in anyone's head. So I guess my question from this, would Ben Simmons really show up to Philadelphia and I mean, not play? Why would he? Yeah, exactly. Why Why would he go back? Does he just sit there and just take grief the whole time and not get along with his teammates? I mean, if he's going back, he's playing. This When the, when the head coach is like, I can't get anyone's heads, who knows? What a clown show this is. <laughs> it's a complete clown show at this point. Like the head goes, I don't know if he's playing. But yeah, who? Yeah, he walks in the locker room. You're back. I mean, it's funny to watch. It's funny to watch from afar because it's just complete nonsense. But I, to your point, I don't think he's going back to sit. I mean, why come back? Right now, he they did say Doc Rivers did say it might take a little while for them to actually put him back in because he's behind. He just showed up and they've been in training camp for quite a while now, so he might not actually play right away. But I can't imagine him coming back and not playing. Have you seen, I think Bill Simmons was the one that started it, the idea that uh, Kyrie Irving and Ben Simmons should be traded for each other? 
I have not seen that. Yeah, because not seen that. if Kyrie gets out of Brooklyn, then he can play in his home games. Uh, still can't True. play in some road can't, games, yeah. but could play in his home games, and Ben Simmons would be out of I don't know. Philadelphia. Brooklyn, I don't know if Brooklyn wants that. <sighs> I don't know if they want that. I mean, I think, like you said the other day, if Harden and Durant are okay, then they can probably be really good anyway. So why would you add? Why would you add him? Well, I think, okay. If we're if we're talking about best fits for Ben Simmons, that might be it. He's he he gets to be the third offensive piece. He does not have to be the ball handler by any means. He can be a screener and a roller right. and a assuming he'll actually try to dunk it for once, finish at the rim type of guy. He's also very good defensively. And that's obviously like that's part of the thing with Ben Simmons. He's awesome on the defensive side of the ball. So that would be the to me, like if you had to pick, hey, where should he go that's best for Ben Simmons, that might be the answer. Now would You're Brooklyn actually a lot want with him. him? Right. Would Brooklyn actually want Ben Simmons all the, is a and whole all that other comes question. With yeah. Oh, see, and I'm thinking immediately the media questions go from, all right, so uh, what's Kyrie up to today to what do you think Ben brings to the team? <laughs> well, you know, he's got great defense. Like, you immediately all of a sudden are like, oh, cool, we get to talk about basketball? <laughs> Instead of my Instead idiot of point guard? And then the Sixers get to answer questions about Kyrie Irving. Coming up next... Game five tonight, Ed. Are you excited about game five? I'm so excited I'm leaving. <laughs> hey, Dusty, you said you're not sure if they're fueled by the negativity, but wouldn't it kind of make sense uh, to have that chip on their shoulder? I didn't say that they don't have a chip on the shoulder. Okay. I mean, uh, I got a chip, you know, from the times that I was let go. I mean, a chip is one thing, but, you know, you can't hold any animosity and hatred because all that does is eat you up and you know this negative energy which doesn't doesn't last so positive energy lasts you know negative energy you know dissipates and so you know i never hear them really jeering back or or saying much i mean these guys they take that negativity and put it in a positive direction he said what he said um just you know i encourage the players to when, when you're gonna talk about other teams just stay facts you know if, if you don't stay facts then you lose credibility in this game and uh you know, it's uh, it's unfortunate that he had to say those words. We came out here hungry, and uh, he showed up. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Greeny and Tyler Bischoff. Be part of the conversation on the Finley Kia text line at 69187. Finley Kia, come see a Kia on West Sahara. I am reading a story right now. Do you want to do it live on the air? Yeah, yeah. Um... From The Athletic about uh, the websites and the people that grade umpires. Uh, If you pay attention to Major League Baseball and you're on Twitter, you've probably seen the ump scorecard Twitter accounts that basically take, like Major League Baseball apparently releases the data for all the pitch locations uh, each game. And basically there's a Twitter account, ump scorecards, that will grade every home plate umpire's ball and strike calls. Uh, and it gives us these nice little graphics that say, hey, this umpire got 97% of the calls right, or he got 89% of the calls right, whatever it is. Uh, And we can rip on umpires with a very uh, statistical fact-based data rather than just, oh, he blew a call. Um, Apparently, the ump scorecard Twitter account is run by a kid that goes to Boston University named Ethan Singer, and he just has it set up. He's got a laptop that sits on top of a mini fridge in his dorm room and the laptop just runs it all itself. Like he just has to have it on and it'll, it'll run, it'll scrape the data 
create. He's got it set up to create the tweets and automatically send the tweets. It's great. It's phenomenal. And it's like the best thing we have to yell about umpires in this sport. It's to be like the main thing that these ump scorecards have done. It's not so much individual games where you get to yell about one single game, one single umpire and a strike zone being terrible and it ruining some team's chance to win a game. That's not, I don't think, the important part. The important part is that we can see and we can have (laughs) statistical evidence. We have eyes. We can see exactly who's bad at this and who's good at this. And we can see that I think the average is about 95 or 96% accuracy for home plate umpires, which is pretty good. But when you think about it, when you think there's, oh, there's 250 pitches in a game, you're talking about 15 missed calls in a game, something like that. Um, We have the technology to be better than that. We have the technology to be hitting over 99% of these. Like there are some questions with the, like if you went to a robot strike zone right now, apparently curveballs can give them a little bit more trouble. Like, cause they come in with a bunch of break or something like that. Cause they curve. Right. But they're still hitting at over 99%. There's going to be maybe a pitch or two a game that is miscalled by a robot where with even the best home plate umpires, we're talking about 10 plus missed calls a game. You're talking about, more than one an inning, and oftentimes more than one per half inning for these umpires. And again, it's not that it's easy. It's not that anybody expects these guys to go out there and get 100% of the calls right, but when we have the technology to get 100% or 99.9% of them right, the MLB umpires union is annoying because somehow they they are preventing us from having a better game. I I don't want to get... Well, I mean, I'm gonna, but I'm gonna get playfully ageist here. One of the things that goes with age is eyesight. And that's the part that I'm confused about. Like, they don't seem to be bringing in any younger, like, generation of, like, even Ed Hockley retired. And that's a game where it's like, did he get hit in the head on purpose? I don't know, but he did get hit in the head. This is, you're tracking a ball traveling 90-something miles an hour. And you have to determine whether or not it's in a certain area while a guy is standing directly in front of you. Yeah, it's not easy. And we should have people that are good at it do it or, you know, robots that do it. Here's my only issue with the robots is the robots still haven't figured out how to like, whoa, those are some wavy letters, man. (laughs) They haven't figured out like which one of these are stop signs. I don't know. You've shown me pictures. Uh, it is, it is a problem. Um, the best umpire in baseball this year, John Libka, who only did 32 games behind the plate this year, 95.6% was his accuracy this season. They, and they were like, slow down. You're making us all look bad. Yeah. He was doing, doing too good of a job. Uh, the lowest was 91%, uh, from Ed Hickox. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, man. Poor Angel uh, Hernandez. He's not even... Angel Hernandez is pretty much dead average. Uh, he is not actually one of the best or one of the worst. He's oh. dead dead in the middle. So um, his thing is when he misses it, he misses big. But here's here's my, here's my probably the bigger issue with it is how do they decide who gets to call games during the uh, postseason? Because you get narrowed down to you, you only need like eight home plate umpires maybe. I mean, I know they do them in crews, so they rotate through the crews, obviously. But, like, for example, Ron Culpa was a home plate umpire in a postseason game. 
He was the third worst umpire by accuracy this year. The third worst, and we had 99 umpires, right? Tom Hallion, he's called a postseason game too. He was, what am I looking at here? That is 78th, 78th best home plate umpire. How? How did we have the 78th best home plate umpire and like the 97th best home plate umpires call games from behind the plate? That's ridiculous. Like who's making that decision like that? And that's why this is great. It's not because, oh, you need to go hate on umpires every game because they missed a call. It's because we can understand a who's good at it. So if we're going to keep using humans, use the ones that are good at it and B, oh, maybe we shouldn't use humans because we can get the exact data, the exact information of, oh, that was a ball or that was a strike. And then none of this is an issue anymore. I would almost think you don't even need robot umps as much as you need what the, uh, rip AAF did where you just put a chip in the ball and just go, okay, where does the ball, like, when does the ball cross these two planes? Yeah, they use cameras instead of a chip. Okay. They just have cameras around the ballpark that th- it does the same thing as a chip. Okay, but yeah. I'm just saying, like, we have GPS that can, like, locate something right. way out in the woods. Like, I don't understand. That's what that's what happened. That's why when you watch a game on TV, you see it, where whether it's a ball or a strike. It's that. It's the cameras that are giving you the GPS exact location of the pitch. But for some reason, Major League Baseball's umpires, I mean, I know why they don't want to lose their jobs, but they're not going to lose their jobs. You're not, nobody is in favor of taking the human umpires completely off the field. Nobody's in favor of that. But lots of people are in favor of, okay, the guy standing behind the plate in a bunch of equipment who's 64 years old doesn't get to determine whether it's a ball or a strike anymore. The robot that's 99.9% accurate does. That's where we're going. Uh, for those of you that didn't notice, Ed's gone. Um, he any anytime there's a large uptick in Jared talking, Ed's gone. Uh, he's got to go get tested at the Raiders facility before practice. Um, but there's a game five tonight: the Giants and the Dodgers, two 100 win teams facing off in a winner take all game. Very excited. Uh, Ed is not. I told him before he left that they're going to knock Logan Webb out in the second inning. I I think I think the third. I think we got it. I think Logan Webb gets a home run and then then gets knocked out in the next. That it, it, nah, he'll strike out too. Oh, He's gonna okay. be terrible. Here's okay. Couple things. First off, Logan Webb. Um, previous hit. previous two seasons before this one, uh, he had made 21 appearances. His ERA was over five in both of those years. Uh, this year, 27 starts, a 3.03 ERA. This guy's cheating. Um, also, yeah, that is. <laughs> Also, uh, the Giants have only scored nine runs in this four-game series. Nine runs in four games, and they're tied two to two. They only win when they shut out the Dodgers. Otherwise, the Dodgers have rolled them. The Dodgers score a run. They score seven. I have very little doubt that the Dodgers are going to win tonight. Very little doubt. I do not think Logan Webb is going to shut them out again. I think the Dodgers are going to score runs, and I do not think the Giants can actually score. Like, I do not, I, I think this is as confident as I can be about two 100-win teams going against each other, about one of them winning. Dodgers are going to win. Coming up next, Darren Millard joins the show. Moose, you just keep on moosing. This doesn't concern you. Maroon is not just a color. This is the VGK Update with Darren Millsy Millard. Hi, Darren. Ed still hates you. Hi, Maroon, and Ed, hi, you're listening in the car. I know you are. 
I get I have to be a maroon by myself today. You get to be marooned. Uh, That's what you are, marooned. Oh boy! I was wishing uh, I would be there. I was hoping because I was. Uh, I, I'm not just a contributor to your show. I also am a listener, oh. and I was. Uh, I had you guys tuned in uh, earlier and was uh, doing drop off and and uh, just kind of getting an opinion on uh, on where you guys stand on the on the opening game. Yeah, they won. They didn't necessarily play that well, but they won, and it's hockey, so just win and move on. But they had three nothing lead. It was an entertaining game. They they scored uh, goals. Big line came up big. I thought Robin Leonard was fantastic. Definitely out goaltended the other guy. Outgoaltended the other guy. <laughs> you can hear that analysis every Monday through Friday from four to six on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Yeah, I thought I thought he was really good. He came up with some big saves and uh, at crucial times, including early in the game, and then that protected the lead. Uh, uh, I I I was really uh, impressed by by Leonard's game, and then you had uh, all the uh, thrilling uh, details of uh, of Seattle's first game. So I thought it was pretty cool opening night. All right, I need your help in explaining something. Um, yeah, what exactly are the salary cap gymnastics that led to Pavel Dorofeyev being on the opening night lineup? So there's it's super complicated and uh, way beyond my ability to uh, embrace uh, or uh, absorb uh, the, the actual process. But there's, because, because they played on opening night, there was no uh, chance for like cap or capture uh, on, on, on long-term injury and, and some of the injuries injuries. So they, they were right up against it. Now that the, the, the season's a couple of days old, uh, and and there's days that have been played in the season. Uh, they're able to uh, get a little bit more wiggle room, and 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 again, that's about as as easy as I can tell you is because the the season's now three days old. Um, there's uh, there's just more ability to move things around uh, from a cap recapture standpoint and and be able to uh, uh allow them to have a, a higher salary in the lineup even more it's, confused than i was when i asked the question but yeah, let I me, know. let me I, yeah, that was a word salad let me let me phrase let me phrase it this way dorofeyev was on the opening night lineup because his cap hit is bigger than ronberg lecision or whoever else it would have been and they're trying to get as close to the cap limit as possible exactly. for long-term ir yeah okay yeah, exactly Okay, because he's making out of hundred or hundred fifty thousand more than some of the other guys that might have actually yeah. been there. Okay, but but now that now that you're three days in, there's some, some different um, scenarios that that play out. It was just just yeah, it's, it's very complicated. <laughs> uh, I listen the that was that was unique too. I mean, you kind of thought that you were all through the uh, the last minute hurdles and the adjustments and the different things that. Uh, that coaches are going to have to go through, and both coaches that night. I mean, Dave Hacksaw didn't know who was going to be in his lineup because he was waiting for the for the test to come back and hoping that they were false positive, which a bunch of them were. Uh, that they were able to 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 dress a more familiar lineup that he was expecting on on opening night, and then the Golden Knights uh, uh, with with Janmark and then some injuries. So it was uh, it was a little unexpected on both fronts and. I think we'll see a, a lot more of the uh, four-line rotation tonight. Uh, not a full rotation, but more than four minutes from uh, from two of their 12 forwards. 
Uh, true or false, the Golden Knights front office has been panicking the last two days to get ESPN to change their abbreviation from VGS to VGK. I don't think panicking is uh, <laughs> is a term that I would use. Uh, I, I think it was a puzzling VGS compared to VGK. Uh, I mean, when you when you follow this franchise for for as much as uh, as we have, and, and you certainly have uh, from from the start, uh, VGS, you look up and go, "What does that mean?" I mean, that, Adam Hill, uh, we, we I was following him. And the exchanges on on Twitter the other night, and like it's just even somebody like like him is looking at it and and just raising a an eyebrow, going, it just like doesn't make sense. If if you're going to go away from VGK, then I thought it would, they would have went LV something. You can't go LV. Uh, there's no loss. Yeah, there's no loss. What are you talking about? You can't go out. That's that 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 word doesn't exist for this franchise. I, I know that, but, but <laughs> VGS doesn't really make much sense either. Um, so, I don't know. I just, uh, I, I, there's no panic. It just. Vegas Golden Skaters. It just didn't <laughs> fit. And Bill uh, Foley I, would, that. I would anticipate, gentlemen, that, uh, that it will be fixed. Oh, look that, at this. Uh, I like that. that. Uh, the next time that, uh, that the uh, Vegas Golden Knights appear on ESPN that it will be VGK and all will be right in the world. I like that little scoop without actually telling us uh, exactly how that went down. I will say, though, ESPN has been using VGS since the Golden Knights became a team. Like, obviously, they didn't have broadcast rights, so they weren't showing games. But on their bottom line, anytime they would show a Golden Knights game, it would say VGS. Like, they've been using this for years so that wasn't like a opening night decision. That was just what they've been doing for four years. Okay, so there's there's some like latitude with that uh, if if there's some uh, history to it. But I, I would still go with BGK, and I think fans would rather have BGK. Yeah, that's a you know back in the day when I was growing up, we didn't have these problems because we didn't have those bugs. <laughs> We never knew what the score was. We, Turn we on a game, wait, who knows what's happening? We had to wait to go to commercial before we knew what the <laughs> score was. Uh, UNLV's last football game, they played Texas-San Antonio, and it was on ESPN+, and there was not a yellow first down line. What a nightmare. Watching a football game without a yellow first down marker, dis- disaster. Like, How do the people in the booth watching the game and calling the game live, like Steve Levy, how does he know when they really get a first down? Because that yellow line doesn't exist while well, well, he's watching the game live. And, and I tried to convince my 14-year-old the other day, uh, telling her that that line isn't really there. And she <laughs> argued with me for 25 minutes that that line was really actually there. It should be. It should actually be there. Yeah. We should have you guys been, Yeah, our chain. Put lasers on the chain so they just shoot a yellow line across the field. Good point. I, I like that. Uh, did you like the uh, the celebration by uh, Morgan Geeky the other night? Well, I didn't see it. Yeah, none of us saw it. Yeah, the ESPN didn't it show it. right after the goal, as soon as he put the puck in the net. No, the, the, the ESPN broadcast did not show any celebration by Morgan Geeky. Did you happen to be in the, in the stadium when that happened? Because the rest of us were watching it on a television. Oh, I was, I was there. And I watched it, and I, and I said something right away that that was uh, – it was uh, it was 
good. It was cheeky. It was uh, it was fun. I liked it. Uh, Thank it it you. wasn't it wasn't mocking. Uh, it wasn't quite a bat flip, but it was it was almost like summer league hockey where you go, ooh, that was uh, there. There was a bit of salt in, into that uh, twirl, and then put the uh, put the stick away. I didn't see the stare down, and I actually asked Petrangelo yesterday. Yeah, like like how much discussion really was there? Because I feel like it's taken on a bit of urban legend uh, <laughs> about the the celebration and the motivation and coming out uh, and then scoring the goal. And uh, Petrangelo said that it wasn't like they were all yelling on the bench, like "Let's go get them!" Because Geeky celebrated because he didn't see it uh, himself. He he said it was more like they they blew a three nothing lead and they put five veteran guys on the ice and they went out. And and, and responded, but uh, I, I like celebrations. I, I really, uh, I don't. As long as you don't insult the other team uh, oh, or, or mock them in any any fashion, uh, I think that uh, celebrations and individual celebrations are good. And it sounds like Morgan Geeky has done this little twirl and and put the stick away before. So the individual celebrations are, are fine with me. No, you are absolutely allowed to mock them. You are allowed to, like, put it in their face. If they didn't want you to score, they should have stopped you. Yes. Uh, and uh, Chapman said the same thing yesterday, and I called him overly simplistic. And it's not the first time I've thought that but it, uh, when, it, when it comes to Chapman, but it's the first time I've said that to him. Uh, overly simplistic. No, stopping and taking a drink out of Robin Leonard's water bottle oh, would have been be a little bit too far. Oh, that'd be but, great. Uh, but twirling the stick and, and putting it away, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm fine with it. Uh, uh, hockey, it, uh, listen, cool. hockey needs to embrace soccer-style celebrations. When you score a goal... You take the, your shirt off. The game is going to be stopped for about four minutes while you celebrate the goal. <laughs> yeah. Well, Darren, the, don't act like you've been there before. Act like they're never going to let you do it again. Uh, the the VGK Twitter account, VGK Twitter account, uh, actually had a great tweet the other night when Seattle scored its first goal. And uh, it was just one simple sentence that said, act like you've scored before. <laughs> no. Don't act like you've scored before. Even Ovechkin, who's going to score 800 goals, should not act like he scored before. Well, Brian Prop uh, used to have the uh, cool uh, celebration. Uh, uh, Yarmer Yager would would salute when when he scored. There used to be uh, some some pretty neat the individual celebrations, and now you either jump against the glass or you just do the team hug and then. High five the bench. It, I I would be all for, um, like we we talk about Mark Stone being expressive, and he doesn't really have a, a go to celebration, but he he's just got screams. the he's got the just chaos uh, in in his celebration. Uh, but I I, I would uh, totally uh, be an advocate of individual celebrations, and then we could get past this whole thing. Which yeah. which player would take his glove off and throw it in the air and pretend to like skeet shoot? That was Timo Solani. Oh, he see. did it once. He did only, it well, once. he should have done it like 400 times. You're, you're right. But uh, that would have been make, made him really tired because he scored 400 goals that year. <laughs> he scored 76 goals that year. Uh, but, yeah, he only, he only did that, uh, that one time. I mean, I always thought that uh, Yager got blackmailed after he scored. Uh, 
<laughs> that uh, is well played, my friend. Well, well played. One of the great uh, uh, stand-up to uh, any type of challenge ever. He was just like, yeah, go ahead, tweet the photo. I'm fine with it. I'm in my 40s. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. He's still playing, eh? Uh, is he? He's having yes. a pretty good season. Oh, my God, that's amazing. Yeah, he, he owns the team that he plays for. Oh, well, well, okay, that's that's even better, I think. That's I, an even but, he's, better story. Uh, but he's still going. He's still, he's still cranking out the goals. Oh, Got to love it. He is Darren Millard. You can hear him on the VGK Insider Show from 4 to 6 over on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Darren, we appreciate it. What would your celebration be? Uh, something to insult the other team. I don't know what. It'd have to be team-specific every time, like when Alex Morgan pretended to drink tea when she scored against England. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. You would you would put serious research into yes. your celebration. Yes, something to mock the other team every single time. <laughs> I look forward to hearing about that. Thanks, Darren. See you, boys. Thanks. All right, here we go. We got a pair of tickets to go see the Golden Knights and the Oilers on Friday, October twentieth. We're gonna take caller number eight right now at seven oh two three six four eleven hundred. That is seven oh two three six four eleven hundred. Caller number eight will get to go to Golden Knights Oilers. Is Tyler a know-it-all? Can you prove him wrong? Tweet at Bischoff underscore Tyler and at Ed Graney. I got on here to to really show that, like, I'm real enough to stand up when I feel like I'm being put in a in a effed up position. We're back to the press box morning show with Ed Graney and Tyler Bischoff. Congratulations to Russell. He won a pair of tickets to go to Concours d'Elegance and to Matt who won a pair of tickets to go see the Golden Knights and Oilers. We have more tickets to both of those events coming up next hour. So make sure you stay tuned. But more importantly, Team USA Soccer, we're back. 2-1 win over Costa Rica yesterday. We're up to 11 points in six games in World Cup qualifying uh, we won two of the three games in this window. That loss to Panama still still hurts a little. The draw on the road would have been, you know, nice consolation point. But two wins out of three games is okay. It's acceptable. We're currently sitting in second uh, in the table behind Mexico and ahead of Canada. Now, the game they played last night against Costa Rica. First off, Costa Rica sucked. And it was honestly a little disappointing that we only won two to one in this game. Uh, we had 64% possession. Costa Rica could not hold on to the ball. Like literally they just gave the ball away pretty much every time they touched it. Uh, we only outshot them 12 to four despite that and only five to three on target because despite Costa Rica turning it over almost every time they touched it, we'd take the ball from midfield or our own half, get it up the field, advance it into the final third, Completing a pass into the box, impossible. We could not do it. Whether it was a cross, whether we tried to play on the ground, whether we tried to play through the middle, we could not complete passes into the box. So every turnover we got, we advanced up the field, got into a pretty good position, and then couldn't actually muster up a good shot, a good attempt on goal. Overall, it was a solid performance, right? Like, we we dominated that game last night. But when your opponent sucks, you'd like to see a little bit more domination, or at least that domination turn into actual goals or at least actual good chances. Uh, you know, if the goalie makes a great save, the goalie makes a great save. It's fine. Now, individually, Sergio Des scored an incredible goal last night. If you haven't seen it, go look up Sergio Des goal. Um, he also kind of had an assist on the second goal. It went down as an own goal, so that doesn't actually get an assist, but 
he passed to the guy who took the shot that led to the own goal. Dest was obviously very important last night. Serginho Desto is interesting because he is potentially one of our better players uh, at right back, but he plays for Barcelona, by the way. I only think he's good in games where they dominate possession. Like last night, they overwhelmed Costa Rica and they had possession pretty much the entire night. He didn't have to do any defending. Will he play against more competent teams? A lot of the times they like to attack down Serginho Dest's side. So he plays for Barcelona. He's young. He scored two incredible goals for the U.S. this year. I just don't know that I trust him as an actual right back when we play better teams than what Costa Rica put out last night. One other point on Team USA. Greg Berhalter made a change last night at goalie. Matt Turner's been the number one goalie. Matt Turner has been awesome. He was incredible in the Gold Cup. He's been very good in World Cup qualifiers as well. But for this game, Berhalter started Zach Steffen instead. Steffen is the backup goalkeeper for Man City. He's a good goalie. In the first minute of the game, we gave up a goal. Very soft goal. And Zach Steffen should have saved it. Has to save it, pretty much, for the most part. Fortunately, the United States came back to win the game. If not, the biggest talking point, the thing we're talking about, is Greg Berhalter choosing the number two goalie in a home World Cup qualifier that you kind of need to win to keep yourself on track to qualify for the World Cup. But I don't actually mind Berhalter starting Zach Steffen there because two reasons. Number one, it's not like Zach Steffen sucks. If we went back in time 12 months, Zach Steffen's the number one goalie on the U.S. roster, right? Matt Turner's been awesome this year and has surpassed him. But go back in time a little ways, Zach Steffen was the number one guy. So it's not like Zach Steffen is terrible. You've He's a fine goalie. But number two... You need to have a second goalie ready to go. Like Matt Turner might not be able to play every single game because who knows if Matt Turner gets hurt, you don't have Matt Turner anymore. Zach Steffen's got to be ready to go. And Zach Steffen, because he's the backup at Man City, he hasn't played a lot for Man City this year, right? He has not played a lot of soccer this year. And so he needs to play some. Like we've got to have Zach Steffen ready to go in case something happens to Matt Turner. So I'm fine with Zach Steffen playing. Fine with him playing. Um... That's cool. Good call by Greg Berhalter. So going forward, should be Matt Turner most of the games, and the U.S. should end up qualifying. So you look ahead, we've got 11 points from six games. It's hard to put a specific number on it, but about 21 points is roughly the number you're looking to hit to qualify for the top three and qualify for the World Cup. Uh, That means we need 10 points in our last eight games. Play Mexico twice. Going to have to win a lot of games that aren't Mexico.